Go for it. Friggin' what up, dude? Um, Strider Wilson, I'm the host of this podcast that's mine. It's gonna be called History is Nice. Friggin' what is up, my dogs? Fired up for another ep right now, dude. Me and my GF been crushing devs. Alexander Garland, or Alex Garland, I believe, the creator. He did a little movie called Ex Machina, which is a dank movie, with my boy Dom Wall Gleason, dude. I'm obsessed with the Gleasons, dude. Fire acting family right there, dude. Uh, did a little movie called Annihilation. Didn't like it that much. Devs, my GF and I are crushing it. I'm fired up to have a show together. I always recommend with your significant other, if you can have a show you can watch together, dude, you can cuddle a little bit. You can do this move I like to call uh, Marriage 69ing. I think I mentioned this on Going Deep with my dog, Chad and JT, where my GF and I will just we'll rub each other's feet while we're, while we're watching a show. You know what I mean? And devs, it's a fun, I like the area that it's playing in, <clears throat> this sci-fi world of like, you know, computer being God or whatever. And uh, it's interesting. You know, the music cues are uh, jarring. I like it visually. It's cool the way, you know, uh, they play with, um, you know, juxtaposing uh, a lot of technology and, and man's influence on nature. And then they seem to be peacefully coexisting in this world which is kind of cool but the show overall is pretty slow it's not moving quick enough the acting there are great performances in it the lead i forget the actress's name lily lily chan is the her character name i don't know sometimes good sometimes not anyway it's just fun to watch a show with my gf um you know she's not always going to get pumped on watching freaking you know, the war by freaking my dog Ken Burns or even me rewatching the Civil War doc with my dog Ken Burns. Hours of footage, freaking loving it, diving in, loving it, dude. Falling asleep to that stuff, just you know, inserting it into my dome. Also, yeah, dude, the dude in Civil War, the Civil War by Ken Burns, freaking author Shelby Foote, dude. That guy, he really makes it. I, I was looking into it. Uh, Ken Burns... Only, I mean, he, I think he only interviewed him for like maybe a day or two or something like that. And the dude was so gold that he's pretty much the thrust of, of that documentary. Like it's, uh, his stuff is amazing, dude. And uh, the whole time you're watching, you're kind of like, is he, is this dude going to turn out to be, like I'm liking what he's saying, is he going to turn out to be racist? And then I'm like, I hope not. I hope not. Please don't. Then like towards the end, he's like, uh, you talking like, and then um, I got the very distinct pleasure of meeting Nathan Bedford Forrest's daughter, and um, I was able to. She offered for me. I was having a cup of tea at her home, and she offered for me to have a be able to wave the saber of, of, of uh, Colonel Nathan Bedford Forrest's um, uh, saber over my head, and that was one of the greatest thrills of my life. And then he says, uh, and obviously Nathan Bedford Forrest, for those who don't know, started the Klan, and uh, he was a uh, Colonel, uh, I believe, in the um, for uh, the definitely the Confederates, and he had like a ton of cavalry. Pretty like uh, I'm not saying knightly as in sh the chivalry of it, but like as in the um, 
just the fact that he was a wealthy dude and was able to bring a ton of horses. He became a cavalry guy and he had the skill of being able to ride. And that was a, you know, obviously a skill at that day and still is at this time and a skill that generally went with uh, affluence. You know, if you own a horse today, you're probably still a wealthy person. It costs like 10K, sometimes even more to feed the animal a year and then house it. You're spending 25K, you know, to, you know, if you're a dad, you're trying to keep your daughter happy, happy. You're trying to have something in common. You know, she likes riding horses, get her, get her a horse. You know what I mean? Uh, my sister had a horse. Sometimes she can be difficult. She needed one. We ended up getting rid of it. Um, in any case, um, it's, uh, not getting rid of it by killing it, but the thing became unbelievably expensive. Um, or always was, and then too much to handle. But, uh, yeah, dude. Shelby Foot. I don't know. He also does say, you ask him. I think even Ken Burns was wondering. He asks him, and he goes, um, what side would you have fought for? <laughs> Obviously, you're going to fight for the North. But Shelby Foot goes, I just looking back and you know and, and he does a good job he's like if I inserted myself into the context of the time I could not see myself um, going against my state and I'm like okay dude uh, look I love California bro I love California but I don't know if I think there's other greater issues that would keep me from uh, if California was going with the south but he talks about from the time and so it's an interesting thing to think about in any case not what we're going to be talking about today um Get a show with your GF. That's all I'm saying, dude. Um, today, for our historical share, um, I decided to dive inside of myself a little bit. And, you know, there's so many subjects on here that I am not obviously an expert of, but get fired up by and am passionate and enthusiastic to, to learn about and then share that knowledge with in hopefully a fun, enjoying manner. But uh, today, I'm going to go ahead and just say this, dude. I am an expert on the subject we're talking about today, and that is the history of valets. What up, dude? I have an extensive history of being a valet. In college, I was at the Ritz-Carlton Valet. My first job actually ever was at a hotel as a cabana boy. What up? I would down Mai Tais and hand out towels. That's what I did. As a valet, I had to cut the Mai Tais. I did have a sweat towel, but I was parking whips and scoring fat tips in college, dude. Then, freaking Benny Hanos, what up, dude, for a while. Then, I'm back in the hotel industry at the Beverly Hills Hotel, parking whips, scoring more fat tips. In the Beverly Hills Hotel valet history, let's just dive in a little bit. Started by Leon Smith, a dude uh, who went by Smitty, and he just had a shed in the 40s, and he's like, people are starting to drive cars, dude. And guess what, dude? I'm going to start a valet business. And he started it. Then the dude um, who I ended up, um, who owns the company now, bought it from Leon Smith. And so it was kind of a mom-pop shop, which is kind of cool um, that I work for. And so that, and, you know, the Beverly Hills Hotel has a ton of history on its own. Started in 1912. Um, Beverly Hills, they were looking for oil. They found water. So there's a lot of water there. Um, sort of a lush area. And you can see why the elites wanted to go live there. It was also hills. And, um, you know, things kind of sprung up around that hotel. Um, it's, it's owned by the Sultan of Brunei. Um, there's been a little bit of political turmoil surrounding that day with, um, he tried to enact Sharia law in like 2015, um, which is a very, it's a sort of an ancient, um, intolerant, has a lot of intolerant things against women and, um, those who are not heterosexual, um, you know, you could be like stoned to death. Um, so he was trying to say we would do this in Brunei. Um, and then I don't think it actually, and I 
we do have to look into it now, but I do not believe it actually got put into effect, which is good. Um, but I will look into that and, and get back to it. So, um, not cool. Um, Sharia, Sharia law. Um, but let's dive into the history of valets, dudes. All right. So valet, uh, this is just a definition here, is a male servant who serves as a personal attendant to his employer. In the Middle Ages, and um, it was a role for junior courtiers and specialists such as artists in a royal court. But the term valet by itself most often refers to a normal servant responsible for the clothes. That's like the French meaning. So many people at the hotel, uh, international guests would call and ask for, so if I could come and like press their suit. And I'd be like, oh, let me transfer you to house, housekeeping. I can uh, get a suit out of your car if you want. Um, and it's uh, the clothes and personal belongings of an employer and making minor arrangements. So basically, you might be thinking, oh, dude, is is Alfred, you know, Batman's assistant, aka his butler, a valet? No. A butler, difference between a valet and a butler, butler controls the household. He can control, uh, you know, if there's other like maids or chefs or whatever, or even regular straight up valets um, in that household, he's working on the entire, you know, he'd be working on all of Wayne Manor. If, uh, if Bruce Wayne had a valet, he'd be attending directly to him, picking out his bat suit for that day. You know, being like, do you want to take the bat jet or mobile? You know, what's up? You want one of these green drinks that you're having? Christian Bale's having in Batman Begins? You want one of these green drinks, dude? Or should I get you a carrot ginger shake? How's the tum-tum doing? That's what the valet would be doing. Um, let's see, dude. So let's just do a, a few uh, various um, types of valets. There's a hotel valet. An employee who performs personal services for guests. That's me. Parking valet, a service employee who parks cars for guests only. This term, uh, it looks like according to, I just got this off Wikipedia, is only from like 1960. But like I just said, they were had car parks in 1940 in um, Beverly Hills. So that's me. Hotel valet and parking valet. What up, dude? A car valet, according to the freaking straight up Wikipedia, is an employee who is paid to clean people's cars professionally. We did have uh, uh, car valets. I didn't do that at the hotel, but we did have dudes who just did that. And then valet, a professional wrestling term for a person who accompanies a wrestler to the ring. That's sick. That's sick. That's almost like a hype man scenario. That, if if I continue on the valet trajectory, I would like to pinnacle there, you know, accompanying like, I mean, he's obviously moved on from it now, but dude, you imagine just accompanying the rock into the arena, dude, holding his belt, being able to hold it for him, maybe holding a, a water bottle for him or something like that would just be sick. Possibly I could ask him for permission. Could I wear one of those Speedos with elbow pads and knee pads next to you and oil my rig? That would be tight. That'd be tight. Then there's a jockey's valet, an employee who maintains a jockey's wardrobe and serves the proper uniform is worn for each horse. The jockey races usually the stable. So, uh, you know, in, in horse racing, wealthy dudes own the horses and they own even a stable with a lot of horses, employ trainers and stuff. And then jockeys will get, I'm not exactly sure how they get matched up to horses. Maybe they get, I don't think they get assigned randomly. You might just pay them to ride it, but you would wear like the stables, um, uniform, you know, you'd be representing the, the racing team, I guess. And it switches up. And I actually got to meet Lafitte Pinkai, who's one of the, like the all-time winningest jockeys at, um, uh, not Hollywood Park, but the other one that's out here. Um, 
Santa Anita. Santa Anita. Yep. I got to meet him there, which was sick. Um, so let's see here. So one of the earliest, my freaking straight up research took me here. Um, and it actually uh, took me here kind of naturally because I went to a little website called askjeeves.com instead of the all-knowing omnipotent Google or even GoDaddy if you want to, um, you know, go back to that, which I used to love the, um, you know, Dana, Danica Patrick did all the commercials for GoDaddy back in the day. But um, who's a freaking fire racer? We should do an episode on Danica Patrick. She's legit. Um, so ask Jeeves, Jeeves was one of the original valets, one of the, perhaps the most known valets from literature. He was created in 1915 by P.G. Wodehouse, started in a series of stories until Wodehouse's death in 1975. So Reginald Jeeves is the personification of the perfect valet. So your quintessential valet in since 1930. This is a valet, not a car park. This would be a guy who was attending to um, an individual generally a wealthy individual or an individual who holds some form of office. So, and then I was thinking to myself, dude, let me, let me share, let me look up who's a freaking legit valet from history. Someone that other valets could inspire to be. And I found this dude, Irvin McDuffie. And I found this on uh, white house history. And he was the valet of president Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR's valet, Irvin McDuffie. And he's a legend. He was uh, born in Elberton, Georgia in 1882. And let's see. Let me just go. I got a lot of facts here, but let me. Um, some some fun ones are McDuffie could be superstitious about his boss's well-being. That would be FDR. Following a 1933 assassination attempt on FDR in Miami, which I didn't even know happened, but it did. Uh, the valet removed the tie FDR was wearing that day from the presidential wardrobe. He said, no, Mr. Roosevelt, this one tie I won't let you wear again. So just fun little fact there. Um, also, he uh, had to go above and beyond, um, you know, because FDR was had polio. So he would help him into his chair. Um, he said, uh, let's see here. The president's appearance was a priority for McDuffie. You know, you want to appear strong and everything and, and look good even though i mean if you think about fdr to this day you really i mean you know he had polio but i don't really imagine him in a chair and even when he's seated he seemed like strong in there so you got to give mcduffie or mac as fdr called him credit for uh, quite a bit of credit for that um let's see here mcduffie oh this is a cool story um mcduffie traveled extensively with roosevelt who, uh, you know, because of his, his paralysis required um, extra help outside of Valley's typical duties, like I said. Um, he depended on uh, McDuffie to help him in and out of bed, strap on the steel legs and braces he wore. Um, his job was so vital that when the um, valet was wrongly detained by Brazilian police during a 1936 visit to Rio de Janeiro, I looked and I don't know why he was detained, but for some reason he was and missed the departure of the presidential ship USS Indianapolis, the Navy's USS Chester was held up in order to reconnect the president with his valet. So an entire naval military uh, vessel, an escort ship, probably for the larger Indianapolis, maybe a little destroyer, um, was held up just the president's like, dude, this is how vital my bro is. I need my bro. And that's what fires me up about 
a valet is just a camaraderie between two bros depending on each other. Now, it's not exactly an equal relationship. And McDuffie even says here that um, FDR was a very was a difficult guy. He was very particular. He didn't want to get haircuts. He was super particular about it. I am. I got dong cuts. I'm wearing a lid now because, you know, my hair is getting too long. Um, but, you know, they had they did have a friendship. And um, McDuffie um, used this relationship. He had the ear of the president um, and the first, you know, lady in, in the family. And um, he, uh, McDuffie's wife, even um, Lizzie was her name, uh, worked in the White House as well. And um, she says, my husband and I received many letters from African-Americans who heard of our position in the Roosevelt household, um, said Lizzie, and who we brought to the president's attention stories of discrimination in the Postal Service, in the Works Progress Administration, and in several legal cases, and several legal cases involving black Americans. So, um, you know, we can hope hope that FDR acted on those and um, sorted things out as best he could. But um, it's nice that they were uh, had the position um, to do that and bring attention to, um, causes of the disenfranchised. So good on them. Six story, Irvin McDuffie, legendary valet. And then finally, I want to talk about this, a little, uh, inspiration for my valet career. I, I mentioned I would like to do a, um, you know, walk a wrestler into an arena. That would be nothing would fire me up more than that. But perhaps what could is the fact that I found this article in the Atlantic by Jeff Mana. Uh, M-A-N-A-U-G-H and he spells his name with G-G-E-O-F-F which, you know, a little strange I'm on my J-E-F-F type of guy but anyway, he has a sick sick article on the Valet Olympics which takes place uh, all over the United States um, it moves around, you know, St. Louis New York, Austin, San Diego and um, I'm just going to quote him here uh, this is how he sort of opens things up and it got me fired up uh, the valets arrived from all over the United States, St. Louis, New York, Austin, San Diego. They fanned out across the parking lot, breaking into short sprints or kicking rocks. Lost in thought, the desert mountains of Palm Springs loomed in the background. It's a perfect place to hold the Valley Olympics, Palm Springs. I love it. One valet stretched, touching his toes. Another stood in the morning sun, doing calf raises on a concrete barrier. Next to me, a valet rubbed his palms along a line painted between two parking spots for luck, kind of like Maximus, Decimus Meridius, you know, feeling the earth beneath him, that concrete laid there, what he's going to be competing on. I call A call went out, and everyone's head turned. It was time to begin. Every two years, the American valet parking industry sends its best parkers, optimistically described as athletes. Okay, Jeff. Or athletes to compete in a head to compete in a head-to-head battle known as the National Valet Olympics. True to their Athenian namesake, I like that. Is that like the sprint from um, Athens to Marathon? I like that we're sprinting, we're getting stuff done. The games push participants to the limit. Competitors sort keys. They pack trunks. They slalom through orange cones. They sprint to cars across parking lots. Organized. Uh, okay, and then they're organized into corporate teams. They also dress in the snazzy uniforms of their trade. Vests, ties, and such. Luckily for me, I just get to wear pink polo and khakis so I'd be able to move, like I mentioned in my dream. And he put me, insert me into any time in history as long as it's not too cold in my valet uniform, in my valet shoes. I'm fired up. Dude, this, I even looked into trying to get into this. Um, I think they had one in, I think it's every odd year. So 2019, so maybe 2021 is the next one. But you have to be in the APA, the American Parking Association. And like I mentioned, the company I work for is a mom and pop shop. And we're not. So I don't think we can technically get in there. But I would. And maybe it would be a fired documentary film to make just 
make a Valet Olympics. And I love these. I, I would love a Tetris. I could imagine doing a Tetris style trunk um, stocking, you know, difficult luggage to squeeze into a trunk of like a, you know, so many people would rent like families would rent Ford Mustangs because they want to have a Mustang. You know, they're from far away. They come to California. They're like, we got to have a convertible and I have to st stuff all this luggage in there. Not easy to do. Sorting keys, finding keys, that's great. Matching numbers, I love the sprint. I would love to race a car across a parking lot on foot, get into a car, and then go at a moderate pace, not more than 10 miles per hour, perhaps in reverse. Do a race like that would, would be sick, dude. Maybe get like a um, a cell phone charger. You know, have to do a sort of, um, what's it called? Uh, why am I blanking on it? What's it in um, the track and field event when you run as a team, you pass the baton? Um What's that called, Aaron? What? Relay. Relay. Freaking A, dude. A relay race with the uh, phone cable, dude. Get it to up, up to a hotel room. So that would fire me up. So that's just a little bit of a history of valets. There's not too much literature out there on it, but I'm certain as soon as the wheel was invented in freaking, you know, I think it was invented in Mesopotamia, there was probably valets. You know, there was probably chariot valets in ancient Rome and they were doing good work. And that just fires me up to be part of that family. So uh, let's um, dive into a few questions. So who's the coolest person's car you've ever parked? At the hotel, Shaq, dude. Shaq's chill. Shaq knows that I, that I look like uh, Joel Osteen, so he'll call me uh, Pastor when he sees me. He goes, Pastor. It's awesome, dude. And he's always been very nice. He's super generous, but even more than that, He's just a chill dude. He'll bring it in. He'll give you a five, dude. One time, um, this was a great story, is uh, one of the other valets, my dog, Evan, what up, dude, accidentally gave away the owner of our company, had the um, same car that Shaq drove. And, you know, when we kind of what we do is like a little um, extra little services, we give key tickets out to everyone that comes in. But if we know you and recognize you, and obviously we recognize Shaq, um, freaking he's a legend and he's seven feet tall. Um, we just keep his car close and we don't give him a ticket because we'll know where it is. But like I mentioned, the owner had the, of our company had the same car and Evan runs over there and gives Shaq the wrong car. And I'm kind of surprised Shaq even got in it because he has extra um, track, uh, you know, like the electric seats you can roll back. He has extra tracking on there because he's so tall. And I guess maybe our the owner of our company liked to ride with his all the way back too, I guess. He's kind of a tall guy. He's like six three. Anyway, Shaq gets in the wrong car, drives off, but comes back about two minutes later. And he's like, who gave me this car? It's the wrong car. And uh, Evan's like, oh my gosh, no, we gave you the wrong car. And Shaq's like, all right, hands on the hood. And he puts a hand on the hood and just gives him like a light spanking in front of everybody. And this, this was just perfect. The tone of it, everything was great. It was very graceful. It was amazing. So Shaq, he's awesome. He's a freaking legend. He's got to be the coolest dude. I thought... Uh because I know he's like a volunteer sheriff's deputy in, in Miami-Dade County. Yeah. I thought for sure he was going to like cuff him. Dude, that, hands on the hood. that is hilarious. Yeah, he did say it in like a very cop t tone. I love that Shaq uh, is like, does that, you know, he's like, uh, was his uh, was his dad a cop? Or he, his dad was like a, was he in the military? Uh, I'm not Something sure. Like I, I have to look it up. He might have been. But I love that, that Shaq does that, does ride-alongs and stuff. And then he, he played a cop in a movie, I think, with Spade. But I forget what, I didn't see it. But yeah, he probably he's like, he did say it in a very cop-like way, he's like hands on the hood. But you kind of knew his joke, and Shaq's got the mastery of that term. Great, great comedic chops on Mister O'Neill. Also, Lana Del Rey's chill. 
I got to say that. Lana Del Rey is chill. She doesn't come in all the time, but as far as a regular goes, comes in, will remember your name, very chill, dude. Also, you know, she, uh, in my opinion, was kind of um, this, like the the sad party girl vibe that she has. I would say was a predecessor to predecessor to uh, Billie Eilish, perhaps uh, informed a lot of her work. And I know my dog JT likes Billie Eilish, but I'm, I'm in Lana Del Rey's corner. If they're facing off in like a, you know, doing Battle of the Bands or something like that, I'm going Lana Del Rey. She's always been chill. Uh, let's see. Shaq's stepdad was a army sergeant. Shaq's stepdad. Okay. I knew it was something. Nice. Thank you, Aaron. You're a beast. Um, if you could, what up, Strider? If you could watch any battle from history from an omniscient but not uh, affect the outcome in any way, um, which two military powers would you watch duke it out? Interesting question, dude. Um, I would have to go back back in time to like um, I mean dude I, I get fired up on that initial battle scene from Gladiator you know watching the Roman legionnaires go in uh, it could be interesting to watch like Napoleon's tactics you know I'd want to watch some sort of tactical stuff like I'd want to watch maybe dude I mean the 300 Thermopylae holding it down in that um, corridor using the uh, um, ag- the uh, topography to their advantage there um, dang, this one's enticing me. Aaron, is anything popping into your dome? Sorry, I'm still I'm still researching Shaq. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I think because I thought he had a criminal justice degree. Oh, um, from LSU. No, he has a general ed degree from there huh. and a poli sci minor. Beast. And he has like a MBA from University of Phoenix and uh, an electric ele- educational doctorate from Barry University. <laughs> Fair anniversary. Dang, Shaq's getting it done. Yeah. Shaq's getting it done. I mean, maybe I watched the battle between, you know, Shaq and Olajuwon. Maybe I watched that type of battle. You know, maybe I watch him, those, you know, those Kings Lakers rivalry in 06. Watch those type of battles. But that's not the essence of this question. We're talking military powers. Two military powers go at it. I mean, it was done so wrong. And like, you know, Alexander the Great's army, I guess he took like what what he's famous for is taking like the hopelite phalanx and then adding a cavalry to it and which made it so um, amazing. Maybe watching like, um, you know, that battle sequence in Gladiator, Scipio Africanus, the um, Scipio Africanus, maybe the uh, Roman general going against Hannibal's um, militaries of, of Carthage. Maybe watching those battles, seeing the elephants um, used, which, you know, this is very, it would be gruesome. It would be insane. But, you know, these are the type of things we're thinking about on the pod. Obviously, we're not, we don't want to watch any, we're not glad that people are having to give their lives or do anything like that. But just watching the strategy and in, in from a, in a vacuum, I think that's what I have to go with, Carthage, Rome. Yeah, maybe the real, like, the real 300. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. Honestly, I wish they did like maybe if like Ridley Scott directed that. I know it's based on the graphic novel, and that's what they were going for. But I would rather see like a more straightforward like rendition of it. And you know, why do we watch violence? Does it make us feel powerful? Is there some sort of? I mean, you look. We have the same DNA as the cavemen, but just you know, Dan Garland always says this. My dog. He's like, we have the same DNA as as cavemen who are throwing 
you know, spears and, and, and using, you know, stones to fight each other. And now we have nuclear weapons and when will, uh, our, our brains, you know, and our, our e- when we give into ego and by, by we, I mean those in power, uh, use these insane weapons. And it's just very scary to think about. Um, but very interesting. And so, yeah, just, just something nuts. Let's see. Also, the guy said, stay dank at the end of that. You too, my dog, stay dank. Thoughts on Henry Clay. Did my dog get snubbed from the occupation of Prez? The silver, um, okay, and I, I actually looked, had to look this one up. I was like, Henry, Henry Clay. So I think to answer your question, yeah, because when I did look this guy up, um, he was, uh, he was huge. I mean, he is a major legislator. He was Speaker of the House. He was from Kentucky. His state home state was Kentucky. And he his great adversary was Andrew Jackson. And as we said last week, we found out that Churchill said, you know, the victors write history. Um, he never became president. You know, we remember the winners. No one remembers who got second in the Super Bowl. You know, maybe a few people do. No one remembers those. We remember the those who win. And then, but uh, Henry Clay had a huge impact on our country. And he existed between, like I said, the Silver Age, between the Revolution and the Civil War. And uh, he really wanted to be president. But he said, and I quote, I would rather be right than president. That was his most famous remark. So maybe he was a little bit bitter, but maybe he really did believe in that. Um, he uh, he condemned slavery, yet he held 60. Uh, he moved to abolish his home state of Kentucky, uh, abolish slavery in his home state of Kentucky. Um, so it sounds like on paper he was on the right side, but actions speak louder than words. Um, but as far as like a legislator goes, he was speaker of the house. He was a member of Congress from his home state and a member of the Senate. Um, and yeah, I mean, the speaker of the house can be the most, and it sounds like for a while, I mean, like Tip O'Neill was like, in according to, uh, with that Chris Matthews book, Harbaugh, like the most, um, powerful dude in, in DC for a while. So yeah, he was all, he was known as. He just, I guess, is the quintessential politician. And, you, you know, a little bit of bad. Um, you know, maybe he had good on his mind. But uh, what would he do to get it done? And he was known as the great comp- compromiser or the dictator. So it sounded like he could talk to both ends of the aisle. And that, I think, is what he's he's best known for, is being the great compromiser. So maybe he got robbed. Henry Clay. Check it out. Maybe our, maybe our, our friggin' dog... Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda will do a follow-up musical on him and be fired up and get, you know, Orange County moms freaking stoked on it. You know, you don't even know how many times I've heard it. And I love, I, I do love Hamilton. It's incredible. And the music is awesome. But you don't know how many moms are pulling it in their beds just listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. Before my GF won tickets to see it, which was so sick, dude. A Hamilton to see Hamilton, we each paid 10 bucks. Sat in the second row, so sick. Um, freaking, I heard the soundtrack every shift. I was I was working at Valley. I'd hear the soundtrack, and it would be sick, dude. Um, Hamilton does not hesitate. He takes and he takes. Oh, dude, I'm I'm gonna bomb it. I just ah, oh, it's so freaking good. My GF's got it memorized, dude. I think she's got um, the room where it happens memorized. Fire song. Um, let's see. Any more question? Strider, 
Where does Chad get his board shorts? Dude, I don't know. I mean, I know he got some sick ones from Hurley. He even hooked me up with a pair. And uh, what was dank about them was that the fact that they had like, um, on the waist, they had a very agreeable, the ties and stuff were just in the front. It wasn't like a string that ran all the way through. So it limited rash, a rash if you're like, you're getting active in your board shorts or if sand gets in there, it's a little bit easier to, I guess, fall through. And uh, yeah, they're freaking dank. Do they fall on a nice little part of your quads? So you can get a, get a little bit of that upper leg tan, which is sick, that, that bronze in there. So I know he gets some from Hurley, but I'm sure, he, I'm sure he mixes it up, dude, you know? And I'm sure he's getting some functional one. Chad shreds, you know? Me, I'm more of a looks-based guy. You know, I'm not shredding. I'm longboarding. Um, you know, I'm only surfing when the water's warm, dude. So, yeah, dude. Um, that's freaking... That's about it, dude. So, honestly, just a little little outro. Uh, dude, email me. striderwilsonshreds at gmail.com send some cues, send some requests, share a dank story you'd like to hear about. I always love that. I've even, I've even got some, um, good emails already that in future eps, I'm going to be sharing, um, some requests from you guys. So that fired me up. Um, yeah. And I guess if I'm just going to say, dude, um, ballet is the takeaway here is it's teamwork. You know, it's a team team effort and that's what i like to valet crew you know when you're running around in the heat you're getting stuff done with your dogs you're ordering jersey mics you're housing it in the office you're running back out there you know luckily you got a little bit of hand sanitizer next to you because you're touching steering wheels you use a little bit of it you crush your sandwich you know you're probably not getting a number 43 from j mics you're probably getting the number seven turkey because a hot sub is not gonna stay nice it's not gonna stay warm like the way you need it and um, hopefully one day I will be able to compete in the Valley Olympics. Nothing would fire me up more than that. The merging of the, the ancient Greek tradition with the modern tradition of parking whips and scoring fat tips would get me so fired up. So, you know, being part of the Valley crew, it's about holding things up on your end, being quick on your feet, slow in the seat, being safe and getting it done. And um, yeah, it's not about not the best best contribution a valet can make is to give to the team how can you give to your team how can you better yourself to be better at giving to the team that you're involved in i don't even care if no matter how trivial it is even if it's a trivia team you know you're listening to this podcast you're brushing up on some knowledge you're gaining a few facts dude you're knowing that jeeves was a valet that could come up in your trivia and then you just nailed it you know what i mean you now you know who FDR's valet was. Here's a quote. FDR. This is from, um, and I got fired up on um, sharing uh, Irvin McDuffie, uh, FDR's valet, because it's a primary resource. And um, because FDR died of in office, we never got his mem. You know, no one's like, at least to my knowledge, like he didn't publish his memoirs. He didn't. And if someone has an account out there, there it's someone else who did it. So it becomes a secondary resource. And when and I'm learning in my research here is with history, you want a primary resource, someone was who there who saw it go down and can give you a factual account. And of course, they're going to have their own biases of wherever they're from or whatever and how they experienced it. But it's not going to be diluted to a secondary resource where someone's saying, oh, according to this dude you know, this is, this is how the event went down. So like, oh, if, you know, someone's talking about MacArthur doing his island hopping campaign, 
you know, if it's a colonel of his that served under MacArthur, you're going to get his perspective, which would be interesting and can add to it. And that's a primary resource of it. But then if, you know, that colonel's son is writing it, then that's secondary now. Or that, uh, you know, a military historian from West Point is studying that colonel's experience, then it's secondary and things are being changed. And then now you get down to me, Strider, sharing my account on it. But honestly, my account's going to be the sickest, it's going to be the dankest, and it's probably going to get you the most fired up. And that's all I can hope for. So... My dudes, with that, I'm going to come out and just say, oh, I wanted to share the last quote of just saying how enigmatic, um, and this is Dan Carlin's point, FDR is where he says he had an amazing ability to boil things down um, in that he was always a power player and that he loved the the politics of everything. And um, he would just, his, his famous quote is, there's nothing to fear, but the only, he'd say, the only thing to fear is fear itself, which is a absurdist to think about but it makes perfect sense and it's extremely boiled down and that was the dude that you were playing with in the room the guy was elected to solve the great depression uh he instilled a ton of work programs which did help people you know they'll say oh look at the economics the wars would actually bail everyone out that wartime economy um but the guys held the longest office elected four times and there's it'd be great to know more about him but we don't so that got me fired up. And you guys, freaking stay stoked. Stay dank. Looking forward to the next time. Freaking email me, striderwilsonshreds at gmail.com. Freaking stay pumped up. Keep on grilling and chilling. And I'll freaking can't wait to share with you guys more on the next freaking app. All right, dude, freaking lit.